As we begin uh, this sermon, let's start with a prayer. Divine Spirit, illumine to us the words of the Lord. Show us the wealth of glory that lies beneath the old familiar stories. Teach us the depths of meaning hidden in the songs of Zion. Raise us to the heights of aspiration that is reached by the wings of the prophet. Lift us to the summit of faith that is trod by the feet of the apostle. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. Amen. Let's turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. And if you have a pew Bible, which you can find in the seat in front of you, you can find that on page 803. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. Please rise for the reading of God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, we usually have a scripture reading and a longer explanation of the red passage. These are called sermons. But today is a special day in the sense that we have more scripture passages that are read with a not as long explanation of the passages. There is a reason, however, why multiple passages were read this morning. It's to show that Jesus Christ's coming to the world has been prophesied or had been prophesied or foretold from long ago. Well, why is this important? Well, it's what Christmas is about. What is Christmas about? Is it about a baby being born in a manger? So what's so special about that? There are billions of babies that are being born and that were born. What's so special about this baby? And you might say, well, he's the king. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. But what does that all mean? Even as far back as Genesis chapter 3.15, which was first read this morning, 
It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is what we call the proto-evangelion or the proto-evangelium, which means the first gospel. The first proclamation of the gospel was made in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And gospel means good news. Good news for what, though? And to know the good news, we must first hear the bad news and to hear about the surrounding events leading up to the good news. You see, our first parents, Adam and Eve, failed to listen to God's command. They did not obey him when he said, you are not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thus, a cosmic struggle was birthed. What's the cosmic struggle? It's between man versus the serpent. It's between man versus sin. Man versus evil. You know, we are convinced today that our struggle is between other people. It's those people over there that's causing this trouble. It's this person over here that's causing me pain. But ultimately, that is not true. Ultimately, it is about man versus sin. It's about man versus the serpent. The serpent that deceived Eve into first eating the fruit and Eve giving the fruit to Adam and him eating it. We are now all fallen into the cosmic struggle against sin. But even from that beginning, God gives us the proto-evangelion in Genesis 3.15. God announces that this struggle will not be forever. There will be a day where the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And by the way, that's the message of Christmas. Not only Christmas, the message of Easter. Not only Easter, every Sunday message is about this gospel. Throughout history, God, through his prophets, would continue to explain what this seed or Savior would look like. While only five passages were read this morning, the Old Testament is littered literally with hundreds of prophecies about the Christ. Because all of humanity is waiting for a Savior. By the time we get to this passage, the one Luke is writing about, the angel Gabriel tells Mary that she is highly favored. Oh, favored one, it says in verse 28. O favored one is from one word in the Greek, meaning full of grace or grace that has been bestowed. Why is she addressed as one where she is full of grace? It's because the Lord was with her. That's what the angel says, because the Lord is with you. And because the grace of God was with her, she would then bear a son and his name would be Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. The baby born to Mary is special precisely because it is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15 and all the other prophecies that followed concerning the Savior. And the angel explains even further that this Savior will be the Son of God. Not only will this Savior be Mary's child, he will also be divine. 
He will be God. God means he always was. He didn't have a beginning, otherwise he would not be God. But he was also born of Mary, which means he was also human. Jesus, the Savior, would be truly God and truly man. You see, Christmas is special not because it's the beginning of Jesus' life. Jesus always was. It says that in John 1.3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In Hebrews 1.2, it says, but in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The Son of God was there before the creation of the world. But Christmas is special because it's about God who made everything. God who made everything, do we realize, if you think about it, if we take a pause, do we recognize how expansive this universe is? How vast is the universe that we live in? You know, we haven't even gone to the deepest depths of the oceans, let alone the edges of the universe. But there is one who created it all. The one who created it all would come to us as a baby in Bethlehem. That's just incredible. Jesus isn't just the likeness of God. He is the true image of God. He is God. He is fully and truly God. In Colossians 2.9 it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. God lacks nothing. He needs nothing. There is no attribute that he is missing. There is no flaw that needs fixing. God is the perfect that we measure all things to. You know, when people go, wow, that's, that's perfect. When you go, that was perfect. It's a measurement that we are exclaiming. When we say that's perfect, it's a measurement. You know, in Miami, I got to play a few holes of golf. I, I think that's what you call it, right? I played nine holes, so not a full round. But when someone hits a really great shot, people exclaim, wow, that's perfect. That was a perfect shot. Perfect is a measurement. When you say something is perfect, that's a measurement. When you look at a newborn child, the parents go, she or he is so, just so perfect. It's measuring against the standard. But Jesus isn't just perfect. He is the perfect. He is the standard. That standard is who came to us on Christmas. That's just unbelievable. Absolutely incredible. Yes, yes it is. But it's also what God had been foretelling for hundreds and thousands of years before. He kept a record of it in the Bible that we've been given. Throughout the Old Testament, there is foretelling, prophecy after prophecy, that there would be a Savior born. And Jesus, who was born, was born to do something. He came to us, visited us for a purpose. And it was Genesis 3.15. It was to crush the head of the serpent. While he was here on this earth, he lived a perfect life. And with his perfect life, he took upon our sins. 
And then he was killed and crucified on the cross. He was buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And it says in Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. And those now that would place their faith in him also have their sins canceled and crushed because Jesus takes those sins and nails them to the cross. Those that are in Christ now have new life. This life isn't just empty promises. This life is guaranteed by Jesus Christ. And those that share in Christ's victory share and express our faith now by following his commands and extending his victory. You know, we get baptized because we are obeying what Christ has commanded us. It's in Matthew 28, 19. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That means every people group, every tribe is to bow before Christ the King. He commands us to make disciples. How? By baptizing them. This is an outward sign and seal of all those who would belong to Jesus. And baptizing them, we also teach them to observe all that Jesus has commanded us. We are to teach and obey the word of God. And this is how we obey, receive in faith Jesus Christ. But this is how we also continue to extend the victory of Christ. And so why is Christmas so important? It's the celebration of the birth of Christ. The celebration of the birth of Christ is so important because it is the fulfillment of the promise God made his people. He would not leave us in our sin, but would come to us, save us, crush sin, and bring us to himself. Why? So that we could share in and extend his victory. Everything about the Christmas celebration, everything that we are looking forward to that has been passed to us by tradition, whether it's spending time with family, eating a good meal, sharing gifts, worshiping God, all of this celebration points to the fulfillment of this incredible promise. So when we say Merry Christmas, we are pointing to the birth of our Savior which points to the eternity promised to us by God. Praise be to God. But here in this passage, we see and we get to witness one person's response to the gospel message. And I think this is important. Mary, when told the gospel, would respond this way. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What was going to happen to Mary was simply incredible. One might say unbelievable. A virgin birth, that's not how things function. That's not how the world works. Gabriel knows this. How can this be? How will this happen? What was going to happen to Mary was in every sense a supernatural miracle. Only God alone could bring about something like this. Only God could bring something like this to pass. Even Gabriel would say, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary knew what adhering to the gospel would mean. She knew that it could potentially bring her shame, bring her ridicule, 
bring her an ostracizing, bring her pain, suffering. How could she bear all that? It won't be easy bearing Christ. How is Mary able to do this? And you might answer by the grace of God, which is true. Yes, you would be correct. It is by the grace of God. But how did God show her his grace? He showed her that this baby that she would carry would be no ordinary baby. He would be great and the son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. What he gave her was the truth. Mary knew the truth. She was given something far greater than she or anyone could have ever imagined. And yes, perhaps she would have let go or she would have had to let go a conventional life. A life maybe she wanted to live with Joseph whom she was betrothed to. She had to let go of a life maybe absent of gossip or rumor mongering. But she was able to let it go because of what was shown to her. What was shown to her was far greater infinitely greater than what she could have imagined. That's the gospel. That's what we preach every Sunday. It's a life that is promised through Christ that is infinitely greater. Infinitely greater than what? Mary's conception occurred by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's an act only God could bring about. Only God can bring something out of nothing. Only God can grant fertility to a barren womb. Only God could bring about a virgin birth. The life that is promised in Christ, then, is contrasted with unfulfillment, barrenness. It is contrasted with death. The gospel that Mary received in faith was life from death, fruitfulness from barrenness, but life in abundance. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the gospel that Mary received. And to this day, this is the gospel that is proclaimed to you. And it is proclaimed to you this morning. The gospel is the good news so that we would repent. That means turn from our sinful way. Be baptized. That means receive the sign and seal of this promise and follow Christ. That is what we do as followers of Christ. We obey him because we have been given this assurance of what Jesus has promised. He has fulfilled every promise that has been foretold by him coming to us as a baby in a manger. He, the God of all creation, would come to us in the most vulnerable state to show us how to live and to show us that he is the one that holds us in his hand, in his promise forever. So that's why Christmas is so special. It's so special because we get to celebrate now life in abundance. And I do hope that when you meet with your family and your friends, when you exchange gifts, when you eat good food, that it would be great. It would be wonderful. But know this, it is wonderful because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, the world is never the same. And we are forebearers of this foretelling. 
We are forebearers now of the gospel. If you are a Christian, you share this good news by extending the kingdom of God as he has commanded us to do so. We celebrate knowing that what we proclaim is the truth, it is the good news, and that God is pleased as we do this. And so Merry Christmas to you all. And I hope that the peace of God will reign in your households forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Because of what you have done for us, we are also highly favored. We are full of grace, and by your grace, we are saved. What was once an inevitable path to destruction because of sin, because of the serpent, you saved us so that now we can have life in abundance. Lord, we want to reciprocate this truth, this promise that has been received with worship, with gratitude, with praise. May our lives reflect now the truth that we have been given, give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.